This is B-Side. I'm Tamara Keith, and I'm at the Bladium Sports Complex in Alameda, California. The Bladium is a roller hockey rink. And what is this little five-foot-tall public radio reporter by day doing in a place where people play hockey? Right now, I'm putting on my pads, changing into the other me, the Tamara most people I know probably wouldn't recognize. And that's what this edition of B-Side is all about the extraordinary lives of otherwise ordinary people. While I finish getting ready for hockey, check out this story produced by B-Side's Ethan Lindsay. It's about this guy, Tom Craven. Tom is a 28-year-old video game tester from LA, and he spends his office hours plugged into video games, finding bugs and errors. Then he leaves work, he gets in his car, he drives home, he goes into his room and basically plugs himself right back in. And in that world, Tom is a superstar. Um, like, hi? Or, okay. Hi, I'm Tom Craven. Tom hasn't really decided what he wants to do with his life. He drives a rusting, beat-up, aquamarine Chevy Cavalier. He's involved in a long-distance relationship with a girl back in the Midwest, and he absolutely dotes on his dog, an older, small, shaggy black terrier named Shadow. If you were behind Tom in line at the supermarket... You'd notice he's a bit taller than the average guy and isn't wearing particularly clean clothes. I don't know, just a, just a normal guy in a normal town. First thing I asked Tom to do for this story was to describe himself. But not himself, really. I asked him to describe his virtual self. See, you wouldn't run into Tom at the supermarket. He's rarely there. He spends most of his waking hours plopped in front of a television monitor playing the online game Final Fantasy XI. It's a computer-age version of Dungeons & Dragons that tens of thousands of people from all over the world play to go on virtual quests and slay virtual dragons. Tom's character is a samurai named El Bombero. Who El Bombero really is, is uh, he's, he's just, you know, like this human guy who lives in this small mountain town that uh, has been sent out by his nation to do uh, various adventures and uh, to essentially uh, ensure the security of the homeland, repel, you know, uh, invaders and such, and uh, he wouldn't be necessarily a superhero. Tom's too modest, even if it's virtual modesty. Tom is probably one of the strongest characters in the entire game. He's so famous that when his character walks around the digital streets, other players actually recognize him. I don't know. As far as I go, I'd have to say that, like, there is not more than... See, there's a lot of Japanese people who play this game, and people who play this game that are Japanese seem to be, you know, above, way above and beyond a lot of the North American players. But I'd have to say that... uh, I'd go to toe-to-toe with him, and uh, I'd rank myself in the, uh, in the top 1% of samurais in this game. Tom's even convinced his roommate, Josh Singleton, to log on. Um, it'd be kind of like having a friend at your office who maybe had a, a, a pretty cush position and some nice pay and like to take you out every now and again for beers or whatever and, and whatnot. That would that'd probably be the best comparison, I'd say. Josh says it's weird because living with Tom is like living with the Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan of the virtual world. At a low level in this game, um, you know, if you were to start out and not really know anyone, it'd be very difficult to to grind your way up. Um, he's helped me out on several occasions with like just with information, you know, hey, where do I need to go for this quest? I'm, or I'm lost right now or 
uh, I need some I need some gear. Can you help me out? So that was actually something that happened just recently. <laughs> Both Tom and Josh promise it's not all dorky stuff. I mean, it's not like, you know, that kind of like, hi, I'm, I'm super dork on the video game and I'm following my dorky leader. They insist it's just a new type of social interaction, like MySpace or even online dating. They've made real friends in the online world. And Tom even says he feels more real in the online game than he does in real life. You can't just look at the, at the pixels of the character to see who he is, you know? Like, I guess it's kind of an extension of me. I mean, it's everything that I, you know, would want from the game, I, I ask of people. And, and at the same time, you know, it allows me to, you know, kind of through this mask of anonymity, be able to say things that I wouldn't necessarily normally say to some people. Or, like, it's ultimately, I guess, the entire concept is to play Barbie with your character. Tom says his friends point that out incessantly. And they can't believe he spends so much time in this world. But then again, Tom says it's hard to return to a job as a video game tester making little more than minimum wage, when in a video game world, he's king. For B-Side, I'm Ethan Lindsay. www.bsideradio.org And if you're wondering uh, what this background is and why I'm completely out of breath, uh, the answer is the hockey game is happening right now. Um, And I'm sitting on the bench uh, with one of my teammates, Mako. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hi, Mako. Uh, So so, um, we know you're a hockey player, but um, what, what is your day job? I work at a major West Coast bank. What do you do? Uh, I am a uh, internal web developer. Uh, so, do you think that your uh, coworkers know that you, you know, bash in heads on, on Friday nights? You know, many of them do. Many of them have no idea what I do. They just see me as somebody who goes and writes his web pages and gets out. That's about it. Um, so, there's somebody else who works at that same West Coast Bank company. Um, who um, would you believe that somebody you may ride the elevator with? is a burlesque dancer? No, you know, that's something I don't think I would ever guess. So, um, Charlotte Bear found a woman who is a burlesque dancer. Burlesque is, well, stripping, but but not really stripping, it's classy. And um, she brings us this story. Okay, great. How's everybody doing tonight? Can you hear me? We have some fabulous Randy, very saucy, sexy, burlesque dancers. So you're not going to want to miss this. The MC, Kitten on the Keys, is building anticipation for the night's show. Right now, the wooden dance floor is empty. But soon, dancers will enter in elaborate outfits just to leave many of their garments behind. 
Melanie Tobin is backstage transforming herself. One minute, she's wearing her work attire, a collared shirt, slacks, and her hair's in a bun. The next minute, she's slipping on nude colored fishnets and a black bra top. As she changes into the evening's first costume, she chats with the other performers as if the night ahead would be mundane instead of wild. I should have been wearing this top all summer. Yeah, it's a great top. I love halters. Yeah. They're so Maryland. I know. During the day, Melanie's much more modest. She's 36, married, and settled into an honest career. In fact, she works at the type of place most people think of as boring and unimaginative. She works from 9 to 5 in the corporate office of a big bank downtown San Francisco. Hi, is this Dolores? Dolores, hi, this is Melanie. I'm calling from Wells Fargo Store Formats. I asked Melanie to reenact one of the phone calls she makes over and over every day since her office isn't open to the public. The calls are one of the things she does as a researcher and archivist for the bank's mural design team. The first thing I always do is check my emails and open up a huge Excel spreadsheet, check my messages, and then basically I spend my whole day researching online, so I use the internet quite a bit. Melanie says sometimes when she walks through the bank, she feels like she's part of a different world. She even refers to herself as day and night, two different people based on the time of day. While I'm pursuing basically a career to make money and support myself, then I'm also pursuing something that's more like a passion and a hobby. I kind of am split. But the other people in the elevator don't seem to notice her internal tug-of-war. The only way that I think people might suspect that I'm a dancer is that I, you know, my posture is... <laughs> usually I'm, like, standing really lifted up and walking around like I'm on a stage or something. But other than that, I don't think people would have any idea that I'm dancing or performing on a stage because I'm just, you know, at my job or just... More quiet, I listen, I'm interested in other people's stories. All right, so how, how much longer, ladies? We probably, probably like three on, minutes, on, right? So how does this bank employee by day so easily turn into a provocative dancer by night? You know, I have to just do it instantly. I can't hang on to the earlier part of the day if I'm going to be doing something like performing. It has to be instant. She's not exaggerating about instant transformation. To make it to her most recent gig after work, she grabbed her suitcase of costumes, her makeup, jumped on a train, and rode straight to the venue. The hustle gave her just enough time to change from Melanie the bank employee to Jezebel the tease. We're coming! Let's see, do I have everything? Gloves? <clears throat> I guess that's it, I'm ready. Ready for our showgirls, ladies and gentlemen? Please welcome, doing Boulevard of Broken Dreams, the very sassy and sexy and alluring gentleman. Jezebel shakes her body to the music. She seductively removes her black jacket and tosses it at the crowd. Underneath is just a black halter top. Then comes the fedora, waving it in front of her face to emphasize just how hot she is. She works the crowd, motioning people with her finger to come closer. Then she dances her way over to them. 
the subdued Melanie from Wells Fargo is now completely gone. Jezebel commands the stage. It's something that really uh, puts me instantly in the moment that I just forget anything, like any worry I had or anxiety or if I'm tired, it's just instantly gone. But when the music ends, practical Melanie returns. She wants success, financial success. She wants to travel and buy a house. And that costs money, the kind of money burlesque just doesn't provide. I don't think I would be performing burlesque as a full-time career because it's kind of hard to support yourself. So Melanie puts Jezebel back in her suitcase and heads home to her day job in San Francisco. Dolly, pretty, 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 pretty Dolly. Oh, here she come, here she come, here she come, pretty, pretty Dolly. When Dolly hear them sound the drum, up she jump and she holler, here I come. When Dolly hear them sound the drum, up she jump and she holler, here I come. Cause she gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. Don't stop her when she hear the call, Dolly don't going to have herself a ball. Don't stop her when she hear the call, Dolly don't going to have herself a ball. Cause she gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. When Dolly start to shake and shout, clear the floor, cause she really move about. When Dolly start to shake and shout, clear the floor, cause she really move about. Cause she gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. Dolly go into a turn, old men jump and their eyes begin to burn. When Dolly go into a turn, old men jump and their eyes begin to burn. Cause she gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. Soon Dolly go into a fall, turn and spin, then she start to climb the wall. Soon Dolly go into a fall, turn and spin, and then she climb the wall. Cause she gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. She gonna dance, she gonna sing, she gonna cause the rafters to ring. Good job! Good job, Carol! Look at her now! Yeah, oh!
Good pass. This is B-Side, I'm Tamara Keith, and we're about to start 18, the uh, third period 25. hockey, Wookiees versus Drunken Monkeys, I think. <laughs> and uh, team captain, Sean, is here. Hello. Hey, Tam. Can you describe how you are when you play hockey? Uh, I play defense, so I guess I, I try not to be nice. Uh, my job is to you know, take the puck away from people or hurt them, or both. I enjoy my job. Yeah, you've been known to um, be the angry man on the team. I, I don't know that you could say angry. Those, those suspensions really weren't. I, 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 I think they were a little spurious. How are you at work? How are you in the rest of your life? I'm kind of a kind, gentle soul. You're a veterinarian? Yes. So you play with cuddly creatures and cure them and stuff? Oh, fuzzy puppies and kittens, yeah, all day. So do these things sync? Do these things match up? Of course, of course. you got to balance out all the fuzzy puppies and kittens with bleeding and anger. All right, Sean. This edition of B-Side is about people who may seem ordinary but who are actually extraordinary or do something in their after hours that is incredible and this next story our final story is about this person I met during my day job um, and he's a legislative staffer he's chief of staff for a lawmaker in the state capitol in Sacramento but after work he does something that you just wouldn't imagine Woohoo! Go, Jerry! my name is Corey Jasperson I'm the chief of staff for assemblywoman Sally Lieber here in the capitol between you know working with the staff and you know, working with the assemblywoman and, you know, making sure, you know, she has what she needs for all of her meetings and hearings and, um, you know, different presentations that she makes. Uh, it, you know, requires me to be very, very busy. Actually, I joke with the staff a lot that my job is to be interrupted because that seems like, you know, mostly what I do. Some nights, Corey doesn't get home until 10 or 11. During budget season or at the end of the legislative session, he could be in the office at 2 a.m., and then there's his other job, the one he does after hours. And in my uh, outside of the building job, I am the bishop for the Nonchala Ward, which is a Hmong-speaking congregation here in North Sacramento. The congregation is part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church. In the Mormon faith, a bishop is like a minister or a pastor. On weekdays, he's Corey Jasperson, chief of staff to an influential Democratic Assemblywoman. And on Sundays, he's Bishop Jasperson, and everyone in the congregation wants to shake his hand before services begin. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> and an amazing thing about Corey's duties is he conducts his services almost entirely in the Hmong language. Hmong is spoken by the thousands of refugees who fled the hills of Laos and Vietnam following the Vietnam War. But Corey is not Hmong. He's a six-foot-tall white guy with dark, now graying hair. He grew up on a cattle ranch in western Wyoming, and he first came into contact with the Hmong people when he was 19 years old and got his mission call. It's a rite of passage for Mormon men and some Mormon women. They're sent all over the world to spread the gospel of their religion. I received a mission call to Fresno, California, and there was a one sentence in the letter that I received from church headquarters that said, you will learn Hmong. And I'd never heard of it before. That was the, the first time that I'd ever heard of the Hmong language or the Hmong people. That mission call changed his life forever. Corey had been studying chemical engineering at college in Wyoming. But after his time working with refugees in Fresno, he decided to stay in California and got his degree in international relations. He got married and looked for jobs where he could make a difference. 
that eventually brought him to the state capitol. When asked how he became bishop, Corey says very carefully. The way this works, it's not something that you aspire to. It's sort of a, a calling that, uh, that you receive from the leadership in the church. And it actually came as quite a surprise to me. I'd never pictured myself as being the, uh, as being the bishop. In the capital, few people know that Corey has such a high-profile role in his church. Most people don't even know he's Mormon. Now five years into his tenure as bishop, Corey says he's comfortable in his role as leader of this congregation of 600. My role as the bishop is, you know, really just to love the members. You know, if they need help with something or they're having some difficulty or some problem, to, uh, you know, help them through it. And, you know, oftentimes it involves uh, helping them apply, you know, gospel principles to their life. But oftentimes it's, you know, not really related to anything to do with church at all. In one case, it meant finding free legal help for a new member who was going to be deported to Laos. He'd gotten in trouble with the law after a domestic dispute. Corey also oversees the church's youth programs and the single adults group. Tu Cheng Lo says many church members depend on Bishop Jasperson. We have so many families who has a, a single mother and the father may passed away back in Laos. and They have a very difficult life here. And and, you know, they have teenager kids that won't listen to the mom. So it's, it's hard. It's, it's good to have a, a bishop as a father to, to give them counsel. Corey says his second job informs his work in the capital. His congregants are all immigrants or the children of immigrants. They're mostly very low income. And his boss does a lot of legislation relating to the underserved. Corey says tending to the needs of his congregants is hard work. But it's also rewarding in a way that working in the Capitol sometimes isn't. Oftentimes we have these, you know, huge debates and discussions here in the Capitol that, you know, sometimes aren't that real. And so it's good to sort of, uh, you know, bring in a dose of, you know, real world. And I know when I, you know, go to my office uh, at the church and spend time with members of the congregation that that's real. For the last three years, the Assemblywoman Corey works for had been pushing bills to raise California's minimum wage. There was a lot of back and forth about what was best for minimum wage workers. But for Corey, it wasn't abstract. He had to look no further than the pews in front of him on Sunday to find the people who stood to get a raise if the bill passed.
that's it for this edition of B-Side. Our theme music was composed by Dave Kaufman. Contributors include Charlotte Bear, Ethan Lindsay, and me, Tamara Keith. Check us out on the web. Our website is www.bsideradio.org. That's all one word, B-S-I-D-E, radio.org. Or visit us at our MySpace page. That's www.myspace.com slash radio B-Side. We would love to be your MySpace friend. And thanks for listening. He's gone.